0: hey how's everybody doing and welcome back to 125 unfiltered episode 44 and man i have a lot to go over in the nba the playoffs have been fantastic we have two game sixes tonight a game seven tomorrow and possibly a couple more game sevens uh before i get started i just want to apologize for not getting an episode out sooner been decently busy the past week um And uh, I was unable to get a good time to record an episode because I really have missed a few days where I could have gone over some really good games earlier on in the series. But I'm really going to give series recaps for all four NBA series. I know one is already done with Phoenix sweeping Denver. But once again, Utah and the Clippers are playing tonight for game six. Same with Atlanta and Philadelphia. And then Brooklyn and Milwaukee are going to game seven. Now before I hop into that, just want to... I guess give a disclaimer, this could be my last episode for a while. I'm going to work at a summer camp uh, for seven weeks, and I'm not going to have access uh, to really the time necessary to churn out episodes on a consistent basis, even though it hasn't been too consistent lately. Uh, I might find a way to get a couple out throughout the summer, but just want to warn you guys that it's it's not going to be um, – a very consistent upload schedule. It, I, I would like to try once a week, but I just know that, you know, being on the job, working at a camp, uh, I can't make that a priority. Uh, but I would like to get a couple episodes out because it will be the, the NBA finals uh, in, in uh, July and obviously the Western and Eastern Conference finals. So just wanted to warn you guys there because I really would like to get a couple episodes out, but I know that uh, it, there is a chance that I might not be able to get any out at all. But regardless of that, I just want to thank all of you guys for listening to the podcast, no matter how many episodes you guys have listened to, because uh, this has been a very fun journey. Uh, uh, starting a podcast, you know, uh, churning out, what is this? This the episode 44, 44 episodes. This is, it's a lot. And I'm very proud of the work that i put in. I'm very uh, thankful for everyone who's tuned in and listened and given all the feedback. But with that being said, just want to get that out there, and then hop into this NBA recap. Let's start off with last night's series: Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Now, game one, James Harden goes down. Like we uh, we went over that, I believe, in uh, the last guest in the last episode with guest Brendan McKinnon. If you did not listen to that, please go check that out. It was a fantastic guest episode. Highly recommend listening to that, even though it was on the lengthier side. I think the big points to note here in the series, game three for me, well, game two was the blowout, where the Nets won by 40, but then game three, a very uh, close game, defensive battle, teams were not scoring much, I believe it was 86-83, to Um, and I think that was a big turning point in this series, because Milwaukee... Realized that they could hang with Brooklyn. They got physical. P.J. Tucker really started playing some solid defense on Durant. And then game four, Kyrie Irving hurts his ankle. I believe it's a, it might be a high ankle sprain, I'm pretty sure. But he's going to be out for the rest of the series. Who knows if he's going to come back for game seven. And that left Brooklyn vulnerable offensively. James Harden injured at the time. Now Kyrie is out and Kevin Durant's on his own. And then Brooklyn evens up the series 2-2. And what do we see in Game 5? Now, by the way, I actually picked Brooklyn to win Game 5 and the series after Kyrie got hurt. Because I said, Kevin Durant will get the job done in in 2 out of 3 games. I believe he can do it. And he sure did in Game 5, 49 points. I believe it was 17 rebounds, 10 assists. Kevin Durant, I'm sorry LeBron fans, he's the best player in the league right now. He can score anywhere Anytime. It doesn't matter who's guarding him. One, two, three people. He's going to go get his buckets when he wants to. He does not care about your defense. Milwaukee, they've tried everything. PJ Tucker has had a really solid series defensively. Kevin Durant still dropped 50. Middleton, Drew Holiday, good defenders. Even Giannis, who we'll get into Giannis a bit later. They can't guard Kevin Durant, and he can score at will. That 50-point triple-double is one of the best player performances we've ever seen. And because of that, along with a surprise performance from Jeff Green, Brooklyn wins Game 5. Another thing in Game 5, James Harden comes back, but he's clearly playing on one leg. That hamstring is not allowing him to play at 100%. Play with the same explosiveness that James Harden can play with. And he was a liability on both ends of the floor, throwing some horrible passes in the two games that he's played. Uh, Brooklyn is very lucky to be tied 3-3 because the Bucks in Game 5, they are, it blows my mind how dumb they can be sometimes. I, I, I'm using the words that Charles Barkley said, and he's right. This team, how do you not double Kevin Durant? He was the only guy putting up offensive pr- uh, production for Brooklyn. Why aren't you throwing Giannis on him, uh, Defensive Player of the Year? Does he not want to guard him? Why are you sticking him on Joe Harris, who can't hit the side of a barn? And you've got a 17-point lead. And you've got Giannis, when the game gets close, shooting fadeaways on James Harden in the post, missing free throws, which has always been a problem for Giannis. He needs to get to the hole, get to the paint, and, and just go up and dunk the ball. He doesn't have much of a package. Doesn't have many post moves to go by. He's just a physical beast. But that's what he did in game six last night. He got to the paint and he dominated. That's the honest the Bucks need to see if they want to win game seven. Now going back to game five. Real quick. This This performance by Kevin Durant. What we saw... Can he do it again? I think that's the biggest question. Will there be another Jeff Green-type performance from someone else to support him? And will Milwaukee make the adjustments to stop him? Or contain him? Because last night, he still had 32 points. 15 of 30. And I'm going to say no. Because he's Kevin Durant. And I'm going to have Brooklyn winning Game 7. I I need to get to Game 6. I'm going all over the place in this series. Uh, Last night... Again, Durant with 32, Harden had 16, 5 of 9 shooting. Harden was a little bit more uh, productive offensively, actually was able to put up some shots. But uh, Giannis had 30, 12 of 20 shooting. No three-pointers for Giannis. That's great. He was so good last night on both ends of the floor. But Chris Middleton's the answer for Milwaukee. 38 points on 16 shots, 11 of 16, 5 of 8 from 3, 11 of 12 from the free throw line. This team goes as far as Chris Middleton takes them. Now, I know I had Drew Holiday as a huge X-Factor in that Miami season. he had 21 last night, but it took him 21 shots to get there, 1 of 10 from the three-point line. Chris Middleton is Milwaukee's—he's their guy right now. Because Giannis, he'll get out in, in the fast break. But Middleton's your guy to set up in the offense—in uh, the half-court offense, and he's going to go to work. He's been phenomenal at home. Had a really good game last night. He got fouled on multiple three-pointers, made a couple of them for four-point plays. But in Game 7, he needs to ball out because Giannis will get his numbers. That's what I've realized. Giannis is going to get his numbers. He's going to get to the paint. He's unstoppable once he's around the rim. But obviously, you just want to limit him in the fast break. And then he'll he'll get his 25-30. But in my opinion, if you're a Brooklyn, you need to key in on Chris Middleton. Because if you stop him, you're putting pressure on Drew Holiday. You're putting pressure on Brooke Lopez putting pressure on P.J. Tucker to make shots in crunch time. And if you take Middleton out of the game and make Giannis try to beat you, I think you have a better chance with this Brooklyn team, with no Kyrie, with a one-leg James Harden. You've got a better chance winning Game 7 if you focus on Chris Middleton because he balled out last night. Now, I know Middleton is not as good on the road as he is at home. But I think this is the adjustment that needs to be made by Steve Nash, Mike D'Antoni, and the coaching staff for Brooklyn. Because if both Middleton and Giannis get going, it's going to be very tough for the Nets to win this game because they just don't have the offensive firepower right now, especially with the way that they're shooting. Joe Harris has been abysmal this series. Blake Griffin, he had a, he's had a couple nice games, but I think they need a little bit more from him. Jeff Green didn't have a good shooting night last night. And then obviously Landry Shamit kind of been a non-factor offensively a bit. But again, game seven, I'm going to roll with Brooklyn, and here's why. One, you have Kevin Durant. If the game gets tight, it was a five-point lead last night for Milwaukee. And I was about to say, here we go again. But then they won on that 14-0 run to seal the deal. If it gets close again in Brooklyn and Kevin Durant's in his rhythm, he's going to take him to the promised land. And I know people think that James Harden still can't do much. I saw a little bit more from him last night. That was a good sign for me uh, that James Harden was able to do those step-back threes. He drove into the lane a couple times for some floaters. He just needs to be, at at a minimum, a three-point threat. Because if he can knock down a few three-pointers, he was three of six last night from three. That's a good sign for Brooklyn. But But the X factor for the entire game for Brooklyn is Joe Harris. He has to score 15 minimum to win this game. Someone else has to step up for Kevin Durant. And I know he's been shooting so poorly throughout the series, but I believe at home he can, he can get back into a rhythm and knock down at least four triples. I believe in Joe Harris. Really good shooter. He's just in a funk right now. It happens. And then for Brooklyn, again, run your offense through Chris Middleton. Let him get going early. And whatever you do, can just double Kevin Durant, trap him, get the ball out of his hands, make someone else beat you. Do not let him drop 50 again. And put Giannis on him in the fourth quarter. That's what I want to get into uh, for the last segment of this series. Giannis, people are calling him a fraud. People saying he's not like that. He's not that dude. He can't be the best player on the championship team. Here's my take on it. Giannis should 1,000% be guarding Kevin Durant or want to guard Kevin Durant because Mike Booneholzer too many times has said, let's take Chris Middleton on an island with Kevin Durant and see how it goes. Giannis is what? 6'10", long wingspan, defensive player of the year. Again, defensive player of the year last season. And he and he doesn't step into Coach Bud and say, hey, I want to guard him. I got him. Does he just not have the fire in him? I don't get it. He was going off in game five. And Giannis was just in the corner on Joe Harris. It makes no sense. But then I think about it from a basketball perspective. Giannis defensively is more of a rim protector, in my opinion, than an outside stopper. Because Durant's faster than him. Because I mean Giannis is big, but and he has a bit he has those long strides. But I think Durant has the moves to get by him, and his lateral quickness isn't as good as a Drew Holiday or a P.J. Tucker. Giannis has always been known for his shot-blocking ability. He's so good in the paint. He's just a big presence down there. From a basketball perspective, I could see why he would not be on him. But when the game got tight and Kevin Durant was going, you got to throw your defensive player of the year on him. And I think Giannis said after the game he wants to take that challenge. He did a little bit last night, looked impressive, which is why I really liked his game last night. But when it gets tight in Game Seven, because it's going to, this is going to be a close game. Giannis needs to show up, and my goodness, you cannot drop a ball for a wide open dunk to be uh, to tie the game. Wide open shot for Giannis there in Game Five. weren't able to. Uh, to I he, he just couldn't hold on to the ball. But this has been a really good series. I'm really uh, I, I want Brooklyn to win, and I think they're gonna win. I hope Kyrie and James Harden can get healthy because, man, they are so good and so fun to watch uh, when they are at full strength. But we'll see in Game 7. I'm going to take a small break, and then I'll be back to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers and their collapses over the past couple games. Stay, uh, stay tuned. All right, I'm back on 125 unfiltered. Sixers-Hawks, let's talk about it. Now, we talked about Game 1 with the press break issue for Atlanta. How they almost blew the 20-point lead that they had the entire game. But now, it's the Sixers blowing leads. Game 4, they have an 18-point lead at halftime, I believe. And Atlanta storms back and takes it at home to tie the series 2-2. I'm like, all right, no problem. Atlanta came clawed back. They've been playing well. They're on a roll. You'll win game 5 at home. And then I'm looking at the score. First quarter, second quarter, third quarter. Joel Embiid, 17 points in the first quarter. You're up, what, 22 at halftime? You're up 26 with 3 minutes left in the third quarter? No worries. Sixers got this game. And then the one of the biggest collapses I have ever seen in the playoffs. I turn the game on with like 3 minutes left and it's almost a tie game. This Sixers team is unbelievable. They are sh- it's shocking how bad they are sometimes. It's a joke. Lou Williams comes off the bench and scores 15 points. He scored or assisted on 18 points in the second half. They didn't even want to use Lou Williams. They just threw him in there at the end of the third quarter because why not? You're down 20 plus. Trey Young had 39. He has completely controlled this entire series. Every single game he is in control at the point guard position. John Collins had 19 and 11, 7 of 12 shooting. Gallinari had 16, had a huge shot, clutch shot to increase the lead to three. But that, game five is not about the Hawks. Game four is about the Hawks. Game five is about the Sixers and how they clearly can't close the deal. Embiid did have 37, 12 of 20 shooting, missed two crucial free throws there at the end though. Seth Curry had 36, went off 13 of 19, seven three-pointers. But the rest of their team offensively was abysmal. And it comes down to two guys. I'm gonna start with Tobias Harris, two of eleven shooting, four points. Doesn't make a field goal in the second half. That's atrocious. You cannot have that from your five-year, hundred eighty-dollar, million-dollar uh, man. Four points. I love Tobias Harris. He's a fantastic player. Four points. You don't make a shot. And it's like it blows my mind. I don't know how many attempted in the second half, but. I also saw the stat that only Joel Embiid and Seth Curry made fuel goals in the second half. This is obviously a team issue, but it boils down to a couple players for me. I don't know how Doc Rivers somehow found a way to blow this game. Some ownership goes on him, but it's more on the players for me. Tobias Harris is a complete offensive player. He, he, he's a small forward, he's, got a, he's strong, he can get down in the post, he has a nice fadeaway game, good mid-range game, he can get to the hole, he can shoot the three. Has his confidence waned or something like that? Who on the Hawks is scaring you defensively? They don't even have DeAndre Hunter. But the person I'm just agitated with the most, Ben Simmons. Now I'm not a big fan of Ben Simmons. I believe his potential is through the roof. And his inability to make a jump shot grinds my gears more than anything else in the league. At least with Giannis, he still has a presence offensively. We know we can't shoot. But one, he attempts them. And two, he has the confidence. One, to shoot them. And two, just to say, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to get to the hole and dunk on you. Ben Simmons. Eight points. Two of four shooting. Four of four. Fourteen. Sorry. 4 of 14 from the free throw line. He is shooting, I believe, 13 of 39 from the free throw line this series. Inexcusable and just embarrassing are understatements for Ben Simmons' performance from the free throw line. It's embarrassing. I have never seen anything like this. In the NBA, you are 6'10", you've got a handle, you have good passing IQ, and you're an elite defender. Clearly, you're on up for defensive player of the year, and all you need to do is give one heck, give one rip about getting a somewhat decent jump shot, whether at the free throw line or at the three-point line, and he, in my opinion, clearly does not care to do so. Ben Simmons is an absolute non-threat offensively in the playoffs. I've been saying this for a few years now. He's a massive liability. I saw it in this Raptor series. Serge Ibaka was playing defense on Ben Simmons. He was sending in the paint. There was no need for him to even try and defend Ben Simmons on the, on the uh, perimeter because he knew he would not even attempt a shot from there. He's an absolute non-threat outside of the paint. But the spacing's a problem. The passiveness is a problem. Four shots. You take four shots. Ben Simmons, when Philly loses the series, because in my opinion, they're shot. They are shot. uh, Their confidence is gone. Mentally, they're not going to be in it. Atlanta's going to win game six tonight. This series is done, in my opinion. Atlanta's got this. Sixers need to trade Ben Simmons. It's not working. Joel Embiid needs a different partner in crime. How can he call this guy a star? When he can't even get his own shot, or lack thereof, want to take a shot. I don't consider Ben Simmons a star player. I really don't. He's a star defensively. You can be a star defensive player. Lou Dort is a star defensively, but obviously his offensive game isn't star potential. Neither is Ben Simmons. I know he's a really good passer, and I know he's got that point guard, or you know the the passing IQ and the game awareness to really control an offense. But if this dude doesn't develop a jump shot, Philadelphia must trade him. And and again, I don't even know if Ben Simmons cares to develop a jump shot at this point. Because he's he's just hurting this team. Their spacing's off, defenses uh, take advantage of it in the playoffs, and their offense becomes stagnant. How do you have two guys make a field goal in the second half? This field of, they deserve to lose this series. This series should be over, potentially, because you've blown two double-digit leads, not just 10-point leads, 18 and 26, respectively. You're letting Lou Williams and Trey Young, that backcourt, get whatever they want in the fourth quarter, 13 points each in the fourth quarter. Offensively, they're in shambles. Defensively, they can't stop Trey Young and this Atlanta offense. And, they're, and they are done, in my opinion, and big changes need to happen this offseason. And let me propose one thing before I get on to the last series. Damian Lillard, is he unhappy in Portland? Trade Ben Simmons. Trade Ben Simmons. Trade a couple other pieces for Damian Lillard. Make him the focal point. Trade for Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal with Joel Embiid? Or Lillard with Joel Embiid? Him and Embiid, I, I, I've been thinking this for years, they don't work. It's, they're never going to win a championship with Ben Simmons because his inability to shoot the ball and his struggles at the freezer line, they were playing hack of Ben Simmons like he's Shaquille O'Neal. But the problem is Ben Simmons isn't aggressive and dominant like Shaquille O'Neal. Now, I, I, I know I'm kind of, I know I am, ha- I'm not even going to beat around the bush. I'm hating on Ben Simmons because he's overrated. He's not that guy. He's not going to lead this team to a championship. Changes are imminent for the Sixers. Daryl Morey, you know what to do. Go get your Damian Lillard. Go get your Bradley Beal. If there's another guard that's unhappy, go get him to pair with Joel Embiid because on a torn meniscus, he still dropped 37 and 13. Would your other star, in quote, do eight points? What about what about in Game Four? He had 11 points. 5 of 10 shooting. Is that good enough? For your your second best player? It is not. Once again, I've got Atlanta winning game 6. I I don't think... And and if for some reason Atlanta does lose game 6, they're winning game 7. Atlanta's not losing 2 in a row to this Sixer team. I just don't believe in them anymore. I thought that this was the best draw the Sixers could have ever had. Because Clint Capella is no match for Joel Embiid, I know the injury's there. I know, I know they had that injury. No DeAndre Hunter either. Again for the Atlanta, and you got a Ben Simmons, this really good defender to stop Trey Young. He hasn't even done that. Biggest disappointment in the playoffs so far, and therefore because of Simmons and his inability to score the ball and his mass, the fact that he's such a liability offensively. That's why I've got Atlanta winning this. And then we're going to go to the last series. The one I've probably been watching the most Utah versus the Clippers. Utah take the first two at home, then the Clippers storm back to take two more, or to take the other two in the Staples Center. Two two series, but then we hear the news that Kawhi Leonard is out for game five and that he potentially has a torn ACL. Just terrible, terrible news that all these stars are getting injured. So many All-Stars have been out. You know, uh, LeBron was obviously playing hurt. AD got hurt. Kyrie, Harden, now Kawhi. It's a shame. I think the scheduling has something to do with it. LeBron obviously tweeted about it. But, you know, this is, they don't have that much time in between, and injuries can happen. But the, the entire pressure of the world was on Paul George to deliver in Game 5. I had Utah winning this by double digits. I was like, they, they're they at home. They're off of two losses. They're going to make adjustments. They don't even have Kawhi. No worries. And they come out making 17 threes in the first half. 10 threes in the first quarter. Bojan Bogdanovic had six for three-pointers. Clarkson had four. They were rolling offensively, but they were only up five at the end of the half. Because the Clippers' offense stayed in the game led by paul george paul george was fantastic that was one of the best games i've ever seen paul george play he had 37 for the game 16 rebounds five assists he was efficient he got to the hole royce o'neill who i really like who's a really good defender he got manhandled the entire game but it wasn't just him marcus morris had 25 reggie jackson had 22 mr june reggie jackson Terrence Mann, 13 points. I mean, but then he got guys like Batum hitting a few threes. Luke Kennard hit a couple threes. And be, and even though Utah was shooting lights out, the Clippers' offense kept them in that game, and I was worried for the Jazz because I knew they couldn't sustain that shooting. That's exactly what happened in the second half. Donovan Mitchell clearly isn't at 100% uh he's been put in more of a playmaker role with the because mike conley is out i'll get into mike conley later because i think he's a huge huge factor in this series if he can come back for game six they shot three of 24 from three-point range and because their offense kind of fell flat and they couldn't make shots the clippers won this game they got out to a 10-point lead they were able to sustain it good offense again from paul george reggie jackson in the fourth quarter and now the clippers who have won three in a row they were down 0-2 for the second series in a row. They have a chance to seal the deal at Staples Center. Now, my analysis for this, first off, Utah, they, they do live and die behind the three-point line. But, it, it, again, it's its evident that Donovan Mitchell, that ankle's bothering him a bit. He was he was taking a lot of three-pointers. He did have 21, but he 6 of 19, and 14 of those were three-pointers. 4-14 four from three-point range. He's just not able to get to the hole at the same explosiveness that he normally can. The same speed. It it was a tale of two halves for Jordan Clarkson. Fantastic in the first half. Horrible in the second half. He was just chucking up the most random shots. And I just don't think the Jazz have made adjustments. The Clippers have made adjustments. They've taken Big Zoo out of the game. They're going small again. They're putting Gobert in bad switch situations. I mean, he got dunked on by Terrence Mann. You're putting you're getting Reggie Jackson in an ISO situations on Gobert. Obviously he's defensive player of the year three times. But he's a rim, he's a paint defender. He's a rim protector. He's not a perimeter defender. They're taking him out of his comfort zone and they're putting in work against Rudy Gobert. Nothing against him. That's just not his, that's not where he excels defensively. Bogdanovich had a huge game, 32 points, nine three-pointers made, and I, I love this Jazz team. I think they can still win this, but they desperately, desperately need Mike Conley back. Mike Conley is the answer for the Jazz right now. He is their the facilitator, the point guard that they need to control the offense whenever they get into a shooting slump. He can run that pick and roll so well with Gobert and find open guys. I mean, he's averaging I think eight or nine assists for the for the postseason. He's playing, he was playing really well in that Grizzly series, making three pointers too. He is the X factor for this series because if he doesn't come back for game six, this is gonna be a tough one for Utah to win. But I believe if he comes back, they can win two in a row. I have the utmost confidence in Quint Snyder. To I think he, he needs to make some adjustments defensively, especially now that Kawhi's out. There. I mean, Clippers were playing uh, with house money, but now that you saw what happened, if you get Mike Conley back, you need to make uh, adjustments offensively. To I think you need to get some more more shots in the paint, attack the basket more, but then defensively find ways to stop Paul George and take the ball out of his hands. Who am I picking, though, to rock with? Who am I rocking with rest of the series? I'm doubling down. I'm tripling down. I'm sticking with the Utah Jazz. I've been riding with them all season long, and now is not the time to hop off. Whether they get Mike Conley back or not, they are winning Game 6 tonight. And if they head back to Game 7 in Utah, I think they'll get Conley back then. But either way, I... I think the Utah Jazz will win two in a row. I don't know if the Clippers have it in them without Kawhi Leonard. They, I don't think they can put up another performance just like that. I mean, Paul George was shooting over 50%. Reggie Jackson and Morris were shooting over 50%. They shot 51% from the field, 40% from three-point range. Can they do that again against the Utah Jazz team that is pretty good defensively? I don't think they can. Utah will need to make the defensive adjustments, yet. Uh, like I said, but I've got them winning this in seven. I thought they were going to win in seven originally, I think. It was either six or seven. But I'm, I'm sticking with Utah. I have full faith in Donovan Mitchell to go out and be the beast that he is offensively. I'm expecting a huge game from him in game six. I think he really needs to get going early. Really didn't find that much of a rhythm throughout the game because there were a lot of other guys making shots. And, you know, he didn't have to dominate, which is a good thing. But if Utah want, if they want a good guarantee to win game six, they need Mike Conley. He is too valuable. He is too good in late-game situations. His, Again, his, his defense, his passing ability, his decision-making is so on point. They're missing that right now. Donovan Mitchell is not a passer. He's a scorer. You're putting guys like Bogdanovich. And Royce O'Neill and the, the decision-making positions because they're trapping Donovan Mitchell. Uh, guys like O'Neal, uh, uh, even Ingles are setting the picks, and they have to make the pass from there. Where instead, if you have Mike Conley as the ball handler, he's going to make the right play because he always has. I'm riding with Utah. This team can get it done. I'm expecting a big performance tonight in Game 6, and they're going to take it home to Utah and win Game 7. Now, on the other hand, for the Clippers, if they want to win this, they just need to replicate that performance. Defensively, they were really good on Donovan Mitchell. They've been putting him in uncomfortable situations. They're trapping him. They're getting the ball out of his hands. They said, "Hey, you're not going to shoot 17 for 30." Again, in the second, uh, in the uh, in the second half from three point range, Utah didn't shoot the ball well second half, and, and you know the X-Factor for them is going to continue being Reggie Jackson because Morris has shot the ball really well recently. Paul George is obviously going to give you those numbers, but Reggie Jackson has been a solid ISO player for the Clippers. And I think that trio, could, they can get you a win in these next couple games. But again, I'm going with Utah. And last thing for Utah, I love Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> but his shot making his shot his this. His, I can't even think of the word. His shot selection is so bad sometimes, even when he makes it. He needs to shoot better shots. He needs to play with more control. And I think not ending the game with him in Game 5 is a good idea. But if he's rolling, I think you need to stick him in the game as another shot maker for potentially Ingles or O'Neal. I know you need O'Neal in the game defensively. And he needs to play better defensively because Paul George is cooking him. But I think that's going to come down to Donovan Mitchell being able to take over late game. Mike Conley coming back, and then can Royce O'Neal stop Paul George? Either way, I love this series. I think it's been an absolute battle. I hope Kawhi is okay where if the Clippers do win this series, he can can come back to play Phoenix. Speaking of Phoenix real quickly, just want to talk about that series. I know this is over 30 minutes right now. There's a lot to go over. Absolutely dominate Denver. Chris Paul really showed why he's one of the best point guards of all time. You know They're rolling. They're getting the rest that they need. Uh, he, what did he, did he have 37 in game three or four? It was, I think it was that closeout game. We had 37. There's just not much to go there. They manhandled them. I, th- I didn't know if the guards could really be up for the challenge against Portland for Denver. And they were, but they weren't up for the challenge against Brook uh, against, uh, Phoenix rather. Devin Booker got what he wanted. Aiton played really good defense on the Joker, making it really hard for him. And he had no other help. There's really just not much else there because uh, recently it's been those other three series that have really gone down to the wire and Phoenix, again, swept, took care of the job easily. But the bad news for Phoenix, and I feel horrible about this, Chris Paul goes into COVID protocol, apparently tested positive as well. I don't know if that's 100% too. Saw that a couple of news sources. Don't know if they're official or not. But either way, he's in COVID protocol. He's going to be out for 14 days. He's going to miss part of the Western Conference Finals. And I just feel for the guy because he has gotten injured or taken out of games at the worst times and this is a horrible time because this phoenix team especially with brooklyn not healthy they can win the championship they can absolutely win the championship with chris paul at the helm and devin booker being the star that he is and guys like ayton and bridges playing their part this team has it clicking they are firing on all cylinders this is their bet this is chris paul's best chance to win a championship and he goes out due to COVID protocol. It just sucks. It seems like he would be back around a game four or five for Phoenix. They can still win without him. I mean, they beat the Lakers with like a 20% for Chris Paul in a couple games. So I think they can really do it uh, without him, especially against uh, a Clippers team without Kawhi or, or a Utah team without Mike Conley. But either way, they're awaiting the winner of that Western Conference series. And that's all I have for you today. A really long episode uh, for a solo episode, rather. And, I, I, you know, there's a lot for me to go over. Again, I didn't have uh, a good time earlier this week to go over some of these games. I really want to go over, especially games 5 and 6 for some series and games 4 and 5 for uh, the two games that are tonight, that Atlanta series and the Utah series. And, you know, I, the rest of these playoffs are going to be really, really solid. I'm so excited to see what goes down. I'll be watching those games tonight. Who knows? Maybe I might have time to make an episode tomorrow. It's just going to be hard because I'm trying to pack up. And, again, that, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to 125 Unfiltered. Again, this could be my last episode before I head off and my last episode for a while. Uh, I, again, I, I want to try and get a couple when I'm out, uh, there, but you know, when you're on the job, there's not much free time, uh, to just go back and take 30 minutes out and record an episode. But either way, I said this at uh, at the start of the episode, but I want to thank you guys so, so much for tuning in and listening whenever you can. It's been a fun, fun journey to be on. And, uh, whether I get a couple episodes or not, I'll definitely be back on the grind when I come back, uh, for the, for the start of football season. I would like to get an NBA Finals recap episode sometime. I will definitely do that uh, whenever I have the chance. That would be the one episode that I would try to get out when when I'm working at camp. But I've been rambling on for too long, 36 minutes. That is more than enough time. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll speak to you next time.